Thank you for listening to Remake Rewind, the podcast where we decide if remakes or reboots should have happened, and we are back to a, uh, a movie episode. And uh, it's me, Mike, as always, and I've got my co-host, Mr. Alex Polishi. What's up, Alex? What's up, man? How you doing? How, I'm good. How have you been the last couple weeks? Uh, you know, just trying to maintain my sanity. <laughs> it's, yeah, I feel yeah, It's gotten pretty crazy. Yeah, I just find myself staring out windows and wondering what my neighbors are doing a lot. Oh, well, that's a perfect segue into what we're talking about. I don't know if that was planned or, or what, but... Uh, totally organic. What are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about Rear Window and Disturbia. That's correct. Uh, Rear Window, I hadn't seen prior to this. Uh, Disturbia, I'd seen several times, but uh, what about you? Have you seen these movies before? Yeah, I forgot that I had seen Disturbia until I got about 20 minutes in, and then I was like, oh, wait, this all feels familiar. Um, Got it. And I've seen Rear Window a couple times. I'm surprised that you've never seen Rear Window and you've seen Disturbia several times. Well, so Disturbia, the reason I saw a couple of times was, uh, I mean, t- 2007, Shia LaBeouf was big. Sure. Uh, I may, ha- I think I might ha- may have still been working at the movie theater when this came out. Uh, it, it, I don't remember. But the reason we I've watched it uh, several times is I actually own it, not because I sought out owning that film, but because... Uh, when the neighborhood Hollywood video went out of business, they had a bunch of cheap movies. So I grabbed it because it was really, really cheap. They were doing things like buy 20 for $5. So yeah. it was one of the ones that ended up in that mix. So I watched it a couple times and I was a pretty big Shia LaBeouf fan Shia back LaBeouf. in the day. I still am. The last episode when we were talking about, when I was talking about The Princess Bride, I mentioned that I uh, <laughs> started a couple novels and there was a, one of the novels that I was writing I had the idea if I were to cast the movie that Shia LaBeouf would be the main character. So mm. there was a period of time where I was really into Shia LaBeouf. Oh. Not so much anymore, but... Uh, I saw him getting coffee once. Oh, Yeah, he parked nice. his big silver truck illegally. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, but, you know... He's, he's apparently not a good guy. <laughs> I don't know. He seems pretty rad. No, he's like, everybody hates him. They hate working with him. Except Steven Spielberg is loves he, the guy. Is he just, like, a dick, or is there, like, uh, cancel stuff? I mean, he he was canceled before cancel culture was a thing. So he. <laughs> but I mean, has he assaulted big, anyone, or is he just kind of a prick? Yeah, he's assaulted people. Not not sexually assaulted people. Oh, well, but I'm okay he's, with he's normal. Like gotten and drunk. He's been he's been drunken brawls. One of the things that a lot of people don't like about him was uh, he did like some short film or something like that like a decade ago, and it, apparently he completely plagiarized it like a hundred percent. Oh yeah, for word, I, plagiarized I vaguely it. remember that. And then when he got called out on it, first he tried to deny it, and then eventually he apologized. And then he, it turns out he plagiarized his apology word for word from some written work. That's kind of funny. So he got that weird shit. And that's when he did the paper bag over his head, the uh, I'm not famous anymore. And then right after that, he decided he wanted to do like this art installation where he, somebody else did this. He plagiarized this too. But there was this woman, uh, I, I don't remember where, but she basically sat in a empty room with herself covered or like her face covered and let people come in and they had, there were props and stuff and you can basically do anything to her yeah marina abramovich a lot yeah and so a lot of people like groped her and whatnot and did all that stuff and so she wrote about it and she's like this has happened so he did the same thing as an art piece and then said he was raped and so a lot of people didn't like that because it's like about that you put yourself in that situation you let them do it like yes technically you didn't have you didn't say yeah I'm, i'm okay with you banging me but you also like sat there and let them do it so hmm. there's that kind of weird shit. And he's also like a he's a method actor now, like when he did that Fury movie. Yeah. 
he which is awesome like went and actually cut his face open because he didn't want like makeup he wanted to actually feel the pain and the sweat in his wound and everything like that and it's like dude you're an actor and i'm not a big fan of like method acting per se like i don't know i feel like the whole point is you're an actor and you're supposed to pretend to be the person and it i don't think mentally it's a good idea for people to like become the person they're they're playing but some of our uh, yeah. best actors and favorite performances are method actors though there, there are like Brando, they, Ledger, De Niro. Great performance. I mean, Brando is not a method actor. Right? Wasn't he? He wasn't a method actor. No, he read all his lines off of cue cards. <laughs> all right. Was he not it earlier on his career? His movies. Maybe early on, but as soon as he was famous, he got entitled and lazy. Yeah, I've seen that Christopher Reeve interview. Yeah, Christopher Reeve said that. Uh, Val Kilmer said it. Even on The Godfather, he read all of his lines off of cue cards. So, yeah, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> let's get into our, our topics, I guess. Uh, rear window, do you want to give me your 90-second kind of elevator pitch for the movie to summarize it? James Jimmy Stewart, as he's known by his friends, uh, is <laughs> cooped up in his house with a broken leg and has uh, taken to watching all of the neighbors um, and their daily activities for entertainment. And he finds that uh, he thinks one of his neighbors is guilty of murdering his wife. The guy's wife, not Jimmy Stewart's. <laughs> Yeah, which I don't know. That might uh, so be a cool movie, thing, too. That would be I mean, there. It, it seems like a lot of movies are like that, but the, <laughs> but not if you're locked in your house. Watch, right. Uh, I mean, like, I guess that really fits with the theme of our lives right now. We're all kind of quarantined and stuck in our houses. But uh, I felt a lot of things I, that I wasn't we, expecting uh, watching these. I, w- I really liked liked Rear Window uh, a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I did, too. And I do, too. It's one of those movies that. I hadn't watched for a long time. Katrina was surprised that I hadn't seen it. But I think the reason I hadn't gone and watched it was this movie is so prevalent in pop culture that, you know, you kind of felt like you've seen it before, even if you had it. Totally. So, like, Family Guy did an episode on it. The Simpsons has an episode on it. Uh, And those are the ones I can think of just off the top of my head. But I know there are a lot of other TV shows. I feel like Rugrats even did an episode (laughs) like, like this. Yeah, so... It, it's, it just permeated culture so much that I feel like I knew exactly what was going to happen in this movie. But I, I was really impressed with, with the dialogue in this film. Oh, that's interesting. He's, to single out the dialogue specifically. Yeah, it was really snappy at certain points. I really liked the nurse. Uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, it was like Sophia or something I think it was Stella. Like that. Stella, that's what it was. Yeah. She, the nurse was great. She had these like long rants about how she predicted, you know, the the Great Depression and uh, all these different things. She had a lot of thoughts about like, marriage. Medical... Yeah, like she was really funny, and I also really liked Grace Kelly in this movie. Yeah, she was great. Well, it feels and like James Stewart's always good. <laughs> I feel like all the uh, you know the characters and their points of views are all very well thought out there, which is uh, in contrast to Disturbia. Um, where it feels like it's just kind of like, all right, we got this guy and he's going to do this thing. He's got to have a girl. So she's around. They're just kind of uh, two dimensional. Uh, well, I mean, actually I think the, the characters in rear view or <laughs> rear view window in rear window are, um, are a little two dimensional, but they have substance. I think that's what you're talking about. I agree. About. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I think they had some really good chemistry and they played well off of each other. I, I do agree that they, they, they were kind of two-dimensional. Uh, like, Stella and uh, Lisa really turned around really quick and were 100% on board yeah. almost immediately Well, they're, they're there uh, with, with James Stewart's stuff. Right, and they're there to service James Stewart's character. Like, 
they're in his orbit. You know, those characters are reacting to his character, which is a little transparent and can be boring. But at the same time, they have very specific um, beliefs and points of view that he has to deal with, which makes them interesting because there's substance. Right. I think the nurse was really funny. I don't know if she really added much to it where where I kind of disagree with you is is on Lisa because Lisa was initially kind of skeptical and then there was like one detail about the purse and then all of a sudden she was like I know women women you know women would never leave their jewelry they would never leave their purse they would never let their jewelry sit in their purse because it will get scratched and then all of a sudden she starts deducing all these things right. and figures out that there's no way in hell the wife actually left yeah so I, I really liked that. Like, I did not expect that. I expected her to just be a nagging woman, which is kind of like set up that way because at the beginning of the movie, James Stewart gets a call from his uh, like publisher at the magazine he works for. And the, his, his boss essentially was like, you should go get married. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to get married. Domestic life sucks. And yeah. women <laughs> nag and blah, blah, blah. And so when Lisa shows up, you're expected and she's beautiful and she's rich and you kind of expect that from a character like that. And she's nothing like that. She's warm and bubbly and really supports him and like supports what he wants to do. And, you know, she pushes back a little bit, but then when she gets engaged, she fully commits to this whole conspiracy. And I I thought I found it to be refreshing. She was not what I thought she was going to be at all. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think that's all great. She definitely got more interesting in the second half of the movie. Um, Absolutely. She becomes more interesting when she takes on, the qualities of our lead actor though yeah i i guess all i'm saying is that they're like the the characters those secondary characters revolve around him which is not a knock just uh you know right i mean really the whole movie does yeah (laughs) so what what are some highlights in this movie for you um the production design the set that they built for this movie is incredible that whole wasn't shot on location it's an entire set that they built and I think it's it's based on an They're actual like ten thousand lights or something. Yeah, it's, that they use to simulate sunlight. Yeah, and uh, and it's gorgeous, and the way it's all laid out is very aesthetically pleasing. I like the use of color too. Yeah, I was really impressed with that, and we're lucky to see color on this because they actually damaged the the film master, and they they honestly thought it was destroyed, like all the color was gone. But they they hired the best film restorers to get it back to pristine condition which is obviously what they would have had to do to get us a digital copy so we can stream it but i I was really impressed with the colorings too it was very vibrant yeah and i didn't realize that until this morning actually that the uh, print had been left to rot in the the paramount vault and um a friend of mine said that she's never seen it in color and i was like oh it was shot in color how do you what do you mean she's like no i've only seen it in black and white i have a vhs of the movie in black and white and uh, i had to do a lot of internet scouring to to find out that uh that it was damaged and they ended to restore it. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that it actually was like out of commission for like 30 years. So for whatever reason, um, this is a, this is part of uh, a group of five movies called the five lost Hitchcocks. Um, so basically from until 1984, a lot of these movies were not available. So it was this one, the man who knew too much uh, rope, the trouble with Harry and vertigo could not be shown anywhere. Like nobody had streaming or distribution rights to it. ABC actually illegally um, played this movie in 1971 and they just went for it and hoped they weren't going to get sued and they didn't. ABC but, don't give uh, a fuck. Yeah. So they, these movies were actually bought back by Alfred Hitchcock and then it was left to his daughter as part of his legacy. And she eventually relicensed the movies to, you know, be distributed again. Yeah. So like almost all of those five movies were all re-released in theaters in the eighties. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So yeah, this movie had a really interesting history on that. But uh, yeah, the, the set design was insane. Uh, some of the actors actually lived in their apartments <laughs> during the downtime, and some never even left. Um, Alfred Hitchcock stayed in Jeff. Uh, the main character's name is Jeff um or jeffries he stayed in the apartment the whole time when he wasn't working he used it as an office yeah. so that, pretty insane that they built a semi-functional little city yeah yeah it's awesome um feel like they don't well i guess they didn't do it a lot back then either but it feels like that does, doesn't really happen anymore but then again i guess they're building entire planets for guardians of the galaxy and avengers and stuff so. right <laughs> i mean they're building 20 foot sections of planets and putting it across a blue screen yeah. not green screen anymore blue screen uh i've seen some green ones there are some, but they're, they're a lot. it just depends on what else is going to be on there. Um, I, you know, speaking of uh, Jimmy Stewart living on in his uh, in his office, I feel like you really feel that in the movie, and that's one of the things I've kept on finding myself thinking about was that the entire movie takes place in this guy's apartment, and eventually it gets into the courtyard a little bit. But like we are in his apartment ninety five percent of the and movie. And it's tiny, yeah. And there's all kinds tiny. of angles. It never, it doesn't feel distractingly claustrophobic, but you notice it. Like I said, like I felt. It's pretty cool. And you could see why he feels that way because he's an adventure photographer and he talks about how he's gone to Pakistan yeah. and Africa and he's been shot at by, you know, sol enemy soldiers and pirates and all this <laughs> thing. So, it, like, you really can see why he hates being cooped up. And, that, and he's only got a week left by, by the time this all happens. Yeah. That was another thing that I really liked about this movie versus Disturbia. Or you just see how well done it is in this movie that the, the romance subplot really dovetails nicely with uh, with the main plot. You know, she, I agree. He can't settle down with her because he feels like she's not adventurous enough. So she becomes adventurous when he brings her into this plan to figure out if his neighbors are murdered. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's just nice. That's, you know, that's what makes it a, per a perfect movie or near perfect movie. Um, that everything just like makes sense and dovetails and, uh, and works together and builds on each other. And it's paced perfectly. Yeah. Like the movie Disturbia, is not just so under two hours. Yeah, this movie's just under two hours, and it, it doesn't feel that way. I, I watched this movie. I was engrossed the entire time, yeah. and I was I really enjoyed it. And I liked that even though a lot of the other – his neighbors, like all of his neighbors, you don't really see. Some of them have some lines of dialogue, but you kind of get a feel for the personality. Like the, the one he calls Miss Torso, who's a ballerina mm -hmm. who's dancing around. And, you know, you see her – one of the first shots in the movie is you see her topless from behind, you know, stretching and dancing. And I was like, damn, this is pretty, pretty risque for, for the time period. And he's just lecherous kind of watching her. And like yeah. the nurse says something at one point, like you must have a hormone disorder because I take your temperature every day and it hasn't raised one temperature or one degree in a month. And you've been watching these bathing suit beauties. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, there's just like one. other like, you're right. Well, and then you have the, the cop at one point, like his cop friend comes and visits and the cop friend to your point earlier that the characters are two dimensional. He's just the entire movie. He's just like, nope, there's no way. Yeah. Like, he doesn't think, you know, based off anything, he doesn't think that this guy's a killer. And he he looks at the neighbor and he's like, damn. And then Jim, Jimmy Stewart's just like, hey, how's your wife? <laughs> like, being kind of a prick about this yeah. guy staring at his, his neighbor, even he's though that's territorial. what he's been doing for presumably weeks. Yeah, but that like, his, a little weird. that's his neighbor, you know? That's his eye kind. His eye candy. Yeah, that's right. Don't look at my girlfriend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the movie, it's a very simple plot. Like, he see he hears a woman scream and he doesn't see the woman after that. And he sees a guy packing. And he's just like, Oh, this guy probably killed his wife. And he just kind of gets delusional. And what I like about this movie compared to, even though we're not talking about Disturbia yet, but compared to Disturbia, there are points in this movie where you could theoretically think 
you know, maybe this guy's just stir crazy and has cabin fever and totally. like he's, he, this isn't real. And then, which is not the case in, in Disturbia at all. Uh, but there are a lot of things that I like about this movie. Like I mentioned the, the Stella's whole dynamic talking about how she predicted the, um, the stock market crash. I don't, because for, or no, General Motors was slowing down production on cars. And if General Motors is slowing down, everybody's going to slow down. And yeah. I just really like the characters in this movie. Um, yeah, she just the, the whole thing with the dog, everything. Like, what was your favorite neighbor besides Ballet Girl? Um, <laughs> yeah, besides Ballet Girl, uh, I really felt for the neighbor whose dog got killed. Yeah, that was sad because she, you know, basically the dog, the guy. I don't know why he did this, but the guy hid the knife and saw in the garden. <laughs> Uh, next to everyone and didn't bury it very deep yeah. but the dog kept going for it so he killed the dog and the woman who owns the dog like starts screaming she's like who did this typical 50s neighbors. lament out the window right you guys are all terrible and everybody comes to the windows and their balconies and are looking around and then a bunch of people are partying upstairs and they're like eh let's get back to the party <laughs> well you know it's just this woman yelling out the window they're they're visitors there they don't know what's going on one of my favorite parts of that scene was the uh I oh, know you go first. Sorry, you're still talking about the dog. No, that's it. I just felt for as a as a pet owner. Yeah, you know, if 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 I saw if either of my cats, you know, I found them and they had like a broken neck, <laughs> then knowing that somebody killed them, I would fucking lose it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that part was sad. Got me a little choked up. Um, another one of my favorite parts of the movie is during this uh, this section where um, she kind of gives this speech out of her window, and uh, Jeffries is watching her. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is watching her and then looks down at the uh, neighbor who he suspects of killing his wife and looks through his window and all the lights are out. But you can see that he's smoking a cigarette because the cherry on the cigarette is getting brighter and darker as he uh, as he smokes. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. That's cool. Well, and and I like how he used that as another thing. Like he knew the dog was dead, so he didn't come to the window kind of thing. And, you know, they have what I thought was kind of crazy. And they they have to do this in the movie to, you know, make some tension. But they, he wrote wrote a note like, "What I know what you did to your wife or something along those lines. Yeah. And he has his girlfriend go and drop it off. <laughs> and he, like, she knocks on the door and slides the note under. And, like, she just barely doesn't get caught. And there's this, you know, it's almost like an episode of Scooby-Doo where you see her go down the stairs and then back up the stairs and then into the courtyard as he's moving around the apartment yeah. trying to, you know, stay clear. But it's once again just shows like how cool that set is that they designed that you know it's a functionally an apartment building yeah and that's also like um i mean not that hitch had any reason to bow to studios at that point but um it shows a lot of restraint on his part or commitment to uh to the bit to the idea that we're watching all of that through uh jimmy stewart's apartment we're not going down into the neighbor's apartment to see what it looks like from the inside like we have to see it like he sees it through the windows across the courtyard and again, you know, comparing it to Disturbia, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we should start wrapping this one up and kind of just get to the end. I found the end to be a little weird. Uh, it wraps up really fast, which I think is a thing in the 50s or just in yeah, you know, it, mid-century it, cinema. It wraps up in like five minutes. So eventually he calls the the neighbor and he was like, I know what you did, you son of a bitch. You <laughs> killed your wife. And And so the guy figures it out. He sees him looking at, through the window because, like, the one time he forgot to turn off the lights, which is something I really appreciate about this movie is he recognizes, like, when you have the lights on at night, you're, it's like, and you're looking from outside, it's like being a, in a fishbowl or yeah. an aquarium. Yeah. Like, you can see in. Um, so he keeps constantly turning off the lights when he's spying, but the one time he didn't, 
the Lars, the bad guy, sees him. So he comes over and just is like beating the crap out of him and throws him out the window, which that's funny. But before he was able to get to, to, to Jimmy Stewart, he's taking Jimmy Stewart's taking pictures of him with the flash. Yeah. Because this is like an old school camera and it like destroys the bulb. And so the guy's like blinded. And then he takes another picture and he's blinded again. And he's like having to screw light bulbs really fast. And like, you know what this guy's doing? Why aren't you not closing yeah. your eyes yeah, to right? get cl- close the gap? Or just like shield them a little bit. Right. And he doesn't do that. And you see you know, just before he takes the picture that, you know, James Stewart puts his hand over his face yeah. kind of thing. And now that part of that could be because it's dark and we need to be able to see that. Maybe it's dark enough that the bad it, guy can't see that. It but played still, a little weird. It played a little weird. And then it had this kind of the effect wonky effect <laughs> where like the when he throws him out the window, the the frame rate sped up. Oh, it sped up for like all the characters running up. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, there's a, it was weird. There's a series so, like, of like five or six shots where the frame rate is like doubled for everything to make it seem more. Yeah, everybody's urgent. running to try to catch him before he falls out yeah. the window, and everything's running. But then you have this weird effect, and I, I I don't know how they do it. I assume they take frames of the um like zooming in on the ground and then cut out James Stewart from a bunch of different frames and paste him onto other like another film yeah. i'm assuming that's how they do the the falling effect yeah because it didn't but because they do that it looks like they're scratched like I, I worked at a movie theater for years and know what scratched film looks like on a projector and it kind of looked like scratched film yeah because it looks, they, like, it looks, it looks like place. they pasted a couple things yeah 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 but it, it's super wonky but you know it it's it, got a it charm is a movie that's 80 years yeah. old 70 80 years old yeah. so it's cool but I, I really enjoyed it yeah i did too definitely any any closing thoughts before we we move on. Do you want to talk about why that dude's hair looked weird? Which dude? The the bad guy? Yeah, Lars. With the, the, the fake gray hair? Yeah. <laughs> everybody. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, everybody in the movie, you know, looks looks gorgeous and has amazing hair and, and outfits and stuff. And this one dude has like a very obvious wig or like not natural hair. And um, I don't have it in front of me now, but Hitchcock decided to base uh base that character at least like visually on uh on a producer that he didn't like or something so i think they had to uh, like really uh stress to make his hair look like what hitch wanted it to look like got it so it's like a lord farquad situation in shrek <laughs> yeah there you go got it all right so before we move on to the next movie uh disturb you i gotta ask you bud what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? So what have you been up to, bud? I've been binging The Good Place. Oh, that's good. Have you watched it before? No, or is this like first your time. first viewing? Yeah, it's great. It's solid. Did you finish it? Uh, no, I'm on season three right now. Is there a fourth season? Oh, uh, there is a fourth season. Okay, so I got to find that on uh, Hulu or something. It might not be on Hulu anymore. So they were dropping the new episodes as they were airing. Mm-hmm. But typically, once the series is done, I think they pull them off a month after. Okay. And then it will be on Netflix in a couple months. But uh, season four, the the last four or five episodes of the series are some of the funniest moments of television I've ever seen. I'm really excited for you to, to awesome. get to that. Yeah, I'm stoked. What else? I've been watching a lot of movies, so kind of revisiting stuff though i watched fury road this week zootopia which was oh so good one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time so i saw good. that five times in theaters zootopia yeah it's great oh not zootopia um <laughs> fury road. i know that's a little joke uh zootopia was surprisingly I good zootopia, too. Yeah, i really enjoyed it um, yeah i i really like that i watched that beastie boys documentary did you see that no it's on my queue though yeah, i definitely want to watch it really good i really enjoyed that um i watched both the godfather movies oh both of them not the third one the what you not the third one. Which one? You said both of the Godfather movies. Yeah, both so of there's them. three. What now? So not the third I one. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Got it. Got it. Uh, actually, so I, pro- I, I probably will end I, up watching three just because uh, you got it. I haven't it. actually seen the third one. I stopped because I heard it was terrible. And, I mean, you know, we. It's a, I it's talk a plenty about my no feelings on The Godfather. To. Right. So I um, I watched the Entourage. I don't know if I brought it up last <laughs> week, the last episode, but uh, Katrina and I started watching watching Entourage, oh, yeah. and it took a little bit, but about a season and a half in, it just clicked, and I fucking love it now yeah it's pretty fun like the characters are terrible but the show is just it's so easy to watch yeah. and it's so entertaining yeah man it's cotton candy uh yeah it's it's really good uh, we, i watched the first the, the first two terminator movies for uh ruin my childhood nice. uh the podcast i do with katrina that was great going back and watching those uh i also i i didn't bring this up in any of our other episodes which i don't know why but you brought up the last episode that you started playing Doom Eternal, and I, I got the whatever the Xbox Pass is, that's like $15 a month, mm-hmm. and you get like streaming 100 games or whatever. Oh, I didn't know but I really wanted to play Gears of War 5, so I, uh, in the last two and a half, three weeks, I got through Gears of War 5, Wolfenstein 2, played The Witcher 3 for a little bit, didn't really like that one, and I uh, started Rage 2. So I've, I've gotten a lot of video game time in, in quarantine, nice. so that's been good. Yeah. Almost done with uh, Westworld. I'm almost caught up. I'm two episodes behind. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Probably not during our what's new segment, but I, I have mixed feelings about this season. It's funny. A lot of people I know really like this season. and I'm, I, I have mixed feelings about the series in general. Like it really falls apart if you think about any single aspect of the, the show. <laughs> right. It's uh, this season is fucking gorgeous, though. Like seeing what they did with. Oh, the, the, the L.A. LA stuff is like so the cool. city's great. The, the vehicles are interesting. I like oh, the, the robots stuff, that yeah. like the mech mm-hmm. like robots, the ones that aren't like people yeah. are pretty cool. Yeah, actual robots. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's let's see, a robot is not a person. A cyborg has AI, right? Or no, a cyborg is part person, well, and android is cyborg AI. is part person, android. So they're technically androids if you really want to. Yeah, you know, just like cut those hairs or whatever. You call All right, it. who's your favorite uh, android in film history? My favorite android in film history. God, that's tough. Um, I like Bishop and Aliens. Oh, Bishop's that's pretty. Cool. I was gonna say, uh, what's his face from the first Aliens? Ian Holmes character. Oh, uh, I don't remember that the character's name. Yeah, Ian Holmes but, uh, character, yeah. the one fucking Andrew. Ian Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the weird head where it moves from a dummy head to his head like super awkwardly. Yeah, yeah. Andrews are. I, I I like Bishop. I think he's a cool character. Um, it's uh, Lance Henriksen. I think. Right? Yeah, Lance Henriksen. Yep, that's him. Uh, yeah, I like I like Aliens a lot. I rewatched that not too long ago, uh, like a month, month and a half ago. I really enjoyed it. I think we should get into Disturbia, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. So I guess it's my turn to pitch this one. Uh, it's basically a, re- a remake of Rear Window, but legally they cannot call it that because uh, they got sued. Uh, essentially, uh, Shia LaBeouf plays a guy named Kale. He feels guilty for his dad's death because they got in a car accident. He was driving, so he starts acting up. He punches out a teacher, and he is under house arrest, and he sees his neighbor being a little creepy, so he thinks his neighbor killed a guy or killed a woman. And he just basically stalks this guy and also uh, stalks uh, his hot girlfriend neighbor chick. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And that's why it got made. Yep, pretty much. You it. know what's funny? I, yep. I'm not going to... I had a good time with this. I didn't think it was fantastic. It's, it's a fun I think it's movie. perfectly forgettable. But, you know, did what it set out to do. It's of its part. time, very much. Yeah, and I think those things that date it are really what holds it back to from being a more memorable movie. But in its defense, I will say I don't... I wouldn't necessarily consider it a remake because it's trying i think you know obviously it comes from the same place um and is inspired by but i think it you know does some has some specific choices where it tries to set uh, itself apart and is trying to reimagine it you know what i mean as opposed to a straight remake right like we're just doing it we're doing it again you know 
Well, originally it was going to be a straight remake. Mm -hmm. It sounds like they didn't technically own the rights to the story. It had to be murder, which is what Rear Window is based mm -hmm. off of. And it's a short story. Um, this was going to come out in the 90s. It feels but like they it. found out that there was a Christopher Reeve remake. Yeah, the television one. Uh, which, yeah, we it, it went straight to ABC. So they decided to scrap ABC it. ABC is obsessed. The option exp you're right. The the option expired, and so another studio got their rights to the script, and they they were going to make it. They rewrote it and tried to modernize it a little bit. And the 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 family who owned the the uh, Cornell Woolrich is the author of the story. They had the rights to the movie again. And they actually sued. Uh, they sued the production company DreamWorks. They sued Steven Spielberg, who's the executive producer of the film, who personally selected Shia yeah, LaBeouf for the movie. Um, he loved Shia LaBeouf. He, he was really trying to groom Shia LaBeouf to be like the next Harrison Ford for whatever reason. But he he groomed Shia LaBeouf for it. And I, they didn't sue, sue Shia LaBeouf. But it went to court and it was eventually thrown out because the judge was like, the short story has no substance. It has no real plot details, no characterization. And Disturbia adds teenage drama, uh, teenage relationships, and and humor. So you cannot say that this movie is derivative of the short story on which it's based off, which I think is absurd. It is very, very derivative. It, yeah, well, it's... It is so derivative that people thought this was just a modern remake, but legally they can't call it that. But it is definitely meant to be a modern remake. They, it was supposed to be a remake originally. They were going to call it Rear Window. And then they found out Rear Window was being made by ABC and then scrapped it. So to say that it's not a modern remake is absurd, honestly. <laughs> I don't think it's absurd. That's a little harsh. Uh, it, it's not. That's what they intended to be when they made it. They just got sued. So legally, they can't call it that. But I guarantee no, but I if they were able to get the rights to the movie... They would have wouldn't have changed a damn thing other than in the opening credits they would have put based off. I don't off care why they changed the anything. Story. I'm just saying that setting it in the suburbs as opposed to in the city, having it be a kid instead of a kid that's or a, a man that has is set in his career, um, setting it in present day versus trying to retell the '50s one. Those are all interesting changes. Whether or not they were executed while they worked yeah. is something else. But those are things that set it apart from the original, and that's why I, I would. Give it a little bit of credit and just say maybe it's not a straight remake well, in the way that it ended well, up being. And it, right, and, and it, it's a modern retelling of the story, uh, and that's yeah, what this retelling. podcast is that's about. All, is it's not necessarily that's saying, all saying retelling. Hey, this is, but it to say that it's not based off Rear oh, Window or yeah, but that's what they have to say now. They have to say that it's not based off this movie at all, which is just sure. not. It's it's just factually sure, not true. Silly. It just, they got sued, so now they can't say that it has any ties to this at all, even though we know for a fact that it is rooted in being a remake sure, to Rear sure. Window. So I think th that's what I think is kind of funny about it. It is absolutely a modern remake, but they can't call it that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so th this movie that starts at like an 11 and then kind of ramps down and back mm -hmm. up. Because, like, that opening scene with the dad's death is pretty brutal. I was not expecting that to be that intense. Yeah, well, it's kind of fucked up that, like, I can see the first car. You know, that car cuts him off and then veers out of the way. There's no way that Shia LaBeouf was going to miss that car. Like, that happens in real life all yeah. the time. But that second truck that hit them, there was no excuse for that. Like, what the fuck? What, you mean for Shia's character? So, no, for the one that, the second truck that hits the dad. So there's, You mean there's no excuse there, for the uh, filmmakers uh, uh, being that cruel? Well, there's that, but there's also no excuse for that driver oh, to have okay. hit them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're you're right. It's like that's just fucked up. There's a few other things in this movie that kind of felt like that. 
you know, leaps in logic or whatever you want to call it. Little, little plot holes that amp the drama up a little bit but fall apart when you think about them. Right. Well, and there's also, to get back to my point very briefly in regards to this, there's no way that this wasn't a remake. Um, <laughs> Based on that when, argument when they, that nobody when made. They had the, yeah, right. No, they legally they made this argument. Yeah, <laughs> like not, there is le- there is a lawsuit about them saying right. That is but funny. um they there is a scene when he's figuring out what his radius is, like how how far he can actually get away from like the router where you because see this he's dog on house arrest and he has, has a, a shot an ankle bracelet. Right. So he has a there's a dog that gets out of the house and it's very similar looking to the dog in the first yeah. movie. And I haven't seen this in in probably 10 plus years this movie so like when i saw that dog I was like oh man that dog's gonna die <laughs> and it didn't even though it's like that was definitely put in there as a nod yeah. to the original yeah that's kind of a nice little um, moment too where he recognizes that the dog has a shot collar and can't leave his uh his yard and he's in the yeah same he's position. like yeah i feel yeah, you bud yeah uh you like to see it God, there's, there there are a lot of things i like about this movie i as much as i want to say i don't like shia labeouf anymore he definitely has a charm yeah he's he's easy to yeah. watch He's cute. Um, and apparently mo- a lot of his dialogue is improvised. So DJ Caruso, the director, uh, after every, having every a DJ Caruso. <laughs> he, um, he, he helped rewrite the script and told Shia LaBeouf like, Hey, you're supposed to be a teenager. Like hip, you know, make the lingo a little <laughs> bit more hip for the, for the, the youngsters kind of thing. So a lot of the dialogue was improvised to be more youth friendly. I, I guess. mean, it's very youth friendly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse i, I don't know there's there, there's certain things that i didn't like like the the spanish teacher at the beginning of the class is just a dick like i kind of yeah. like he deserved i don't know it's kind of it's punch. kind of interesting that to have a character who is just kind of a dick because people in life are just kind of dicks but it's it's hard to know where that line is because i definitely felt that too i was like right. wow dude like be a little bit easier on him what but the, the, take out the 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 your dad died thing. Let's just say Shia LaBeouf was just an asshole student. Mm-hmm. That's not what teachers are supposed to do. You don't chastise a student in front of everybody else. You say, hey, you're going to hang around after yeah. class. We're going to talk. And you leave it at that. You don't get up in the student's face and be like, your dad. <laughs> it's a good thing your dad's dead because he'd be really disappointed yeah. in you. Well, I think that was like the, the real sin of that um, of that scene is that the guy like we're talking about the Spanish teacher in this goofy little scene. We can get onto the rest of the movie, but that's the worst thing that he did was that he like, he's a big guy and he gets up into Shia LaBeouf's face, like menacingly. Like if you're going to chastise a student, whatever, but you're going to do it from the front of the class. But if you like take steps into the guy's personal space and poke at him like that in front of people, uh, yeah, that's, what's going to happen. Yeah, he got within like a foot yeah. of him. Like he's well within that range. So yeah, I think like, that teacher should now, be fired. I could, right. No, I can see the initial punch. Now, where Shia LaBeouf kind of fucked up, where I go, okay, you get the one. But then he, like, leapt and kept punching the guy he's while he was on the ground and everyone at had to point. Dude, he's a teenager. I don't put right, that Right, but st- yeah. Here's what uh, I don't believe is him uh, digging a spoon into the peanut butter jar and then dipping it in chocolate and then eating it and drinking a Red Bull at the same time. And it looked like he just went to town on that shit. I could see one of those. Like, I could see the peanut butter and then into chocolate. I could see that, that but yeah, they, they were definitely. It looked like he had a whole bowl of Not it. a lot. I, I could do that for like a spoonful or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, no. It looked like he was like going to town. Yeah, he was going town. Yeah. Uh, well, and then it goes into this like, it's almost like two montages. There's a montage, mom comes home, and then another montage. So it's like two montages really quick. Uh, All we ever see that mom do is come home, by the way. She's like never around. No, no, what she's does she not. Do? So like he goes, he goes home and he's playing Xbox, and then it cuts yeah. out. 
and then he's like watching cheaters and then he like goes upstairs this this is what i was really confused by so he's like watching tv he's playing xbox he's having his snacks and then he goes upstairs and you see him putting a magazine down and zipping up his fly and i'm like was he is this supposed to be implying that he's masturbating or was he just reading oh, you a, didn't book, get... a magazine while he's taking no, a dude, shit he had to take a shit because the red bull and uh, peanut butter and chocolate fucked him up the red bull and the chocolate but it was just weird but then there's another semi master there's a masturbation joke later where he's trying to scratch underneath his ankle I like monitor, that. That one, that one was funny. and you just hear him like <laughs> and you just see him like like just hear things bumping and then it's just him scratching like it just seemed like a little weird to have like two semi masturbatory. Oh, I jokes think the first one was a that... pure rumbly tumbly situation. It just didn't come off as that because he was watching Cheaters and he was just like looking at the girl on there. Like you just, it just ends with him looking at a like a like a, a ratchet ass girl, <laughs> and then he goes into the bathroom and it's just like I don't know. I thought it was a little weird. Yeah, I mean, um, I got I got a better example of that for you actually. He is playing Xbox and his Xbox Live goes down and he can't connect, which he actually doesn't seem that bothered by. And then later he's trying to buy um, some music on iTunes and it says that his Apple ID doesn't exist, which I don't think is how that would happen. But that's not but how then that works. His, I, I wrote that yeah. down as well. You can't just cancel that, especially in 2007. And then his mom like, comes in. Nowadays there is a yeah. service. And then his mom comes in and she's like uh, that she reveals that she took him off Xbox Live and, and broke his Apple ID. And that just feels like three beats to say one thing. Right. Redundant. Well, and then also it's just like, that's not how those, either of those yeah. things work. Like the Xbox live is you pay for a month or a year or whatever. Like you don't just cut it off. Like, yeah, it would make more sense if she just stopped. She's like, yeah, we don't have internet. Yeah, or she cuts the cable later on. She could have just done that. She cuts the power cord off the TV yeah. in his bedroom. So I was like that, that's a little bit more of a move that I appreciate. That makes more yeah. sense. Um, I did like that system of down started playing and it was the most loneliest I, day of my I, uh, life. I made a note of that too. How much does that band suck? I like, now granted <laughs> I haven't really listened to them since middle school, but I fucking loved them back I in the day. I middle school too, but God damn, that song is annoying. I've actually met a couple of the, the oh, guys. Really? I've the met Republican the ones? And, uh, and yeah, Sick. yeah. Well, I met them in Glendale that for what you will. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> They're just they're Armenian and they're Armenians tend to be pretty conservative. That's just like your opinion, man. That's it. <laughs> I don't know if we should be talking. I about mean, this. you straight out call them Republicans. Well, those two, uh, those two gentlemen are uh, very conservative. Has, has nothing they to do are. with their race. They are very conservative. We here yeah. at Remake Rewind are friends I, to everyone. That's not true. <laughs> not to racists or homophobes. Yeah. All right. Now we've uh, we've saved our we've saved our <laughs> reputation. Let's move on. Uh. But yeah, then the movie just kind of gets weird, like when he's watching his neighbor, like he's very lecherous with that. Like, I, I feel way more uncomfortable with that than I did with him watching Miss Torso. In, in but it makes Rear more window. sense that Shia is because he's a teenager. It Yes, it does make more sense. But like, yeah, I, it does make more sense. But he was just he was leering and he like there's a point where he hesitates when he sees her undressing for the first time. Like he puts his hand down and then kind of like this is wrong, like and then does it anyway. <laughs> And there, there are some problematic things with this movie throughout. Like, it is really weird that the girl's into him. Like, there's no reason for her to be into him at all. And he's cute. <laughs> I mean, is he, though? No, he says that nice thing to her. Um, he has a whole monologue. Yeah, but even that was creepy. Yeah, but that's, I think that's still creepy. I'm, so I'm not disagreeing she, that it's creepy, but he, I think she's giving him a little uh, slack because she knows that he's just, like, stuck in there. Right, and I can see that being the case, but like, so this movie they ended up just to give you a little background. Um, 
the director and Shia LaBeouf watched uh, Rear Window to kind of get in the mindset for this movie. So once again, come on. <laughs> um, Straw Dogs, the conversation, and then also um, Say Anything. And they wanted to make a movie that kind of combined all four of those. Um, and you definitely see the say anything to an extent when she's throwing the party to make him jealous. And she keeps looking up at him and he kind of calls her out like, "Have you, enjoy your party, but don't look at me to see if you're if I'm reacting. But he like sabotaged the party by, you know, putting his speakers up on the roof and playing like a sappy love yeah. song. And she comes up and then they end up making out and they actually miss the murder when they're making out. Like you see the blood splatter across the the window when that's happening. I think... Uh... Correct. I think that actually is not the murder, though. I think he's cutting up the deer. Also a weird shot to deer. include, though, because the whole movie is like from his perspective. And then we get a shot that nobody else sees. And that, right. That well, it's also me. weird because it's it, it 100 percent. It could be the deer at that point. But I think the implication is that it's supposed well, to be the woman that he in killed. the moment you're supposed to feel that. But then later we find out that he has a whole clean kill room. Right. Yeah, which is yeah we don't really or is that where he's prepping it, it's it's very ambiguous but also like why would he be cutting a deer in that room it doesn't really make sense and like why did he get no the, did he, do you think he actually hit the deer yeah did he actually hit the deer or do you think he did that for cover because cover. he felt like somebody suspected no, because him? the uh, yeah that's because yeah. the car was uh i think we're supposed to believe at the end that it was the the girl's car with the dented fender so i think he had to create a story to cover that up so yeah i think he just went out and killed the deer got it okay so this movie but, does a lot of the sorry, same things that we were all, did. Oh, sorry, all the more ahead. reason for him to do to cut the deer up upstairs in plain view of the neighbors because then this guy uh played by david morris who i actually think did a great job um method actor he refused to talk to any of the actor other actors are you joking or really movie. no That's i'm awesome. being serious acting is the way to go man this guy as we see at the end is so meticulous and all of his activities are so well thought out that i do think he would be capable of going out, killing the deer, killing it in the upstairs, uh, whatever, garage or whatever, with the lights on, spraying blood everywhere, just so the neighbors see that, and then he has an excuse for it. So it makes him look less guilty of potentially murdering young women. But why not just do that in the garage with the door open or something? Um, That's, because it, you're definitely going to see yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was. I mean, now we're really getting into it, but I think it was at nighttime, it, and maybe... But still, keep it in the garage and have the door open at That's some point so somebody can drive by and see it. Maybe he didn't it. want to do it at night. I don't know. I mean, I think now we're getting into territory of like, hey, this movie's actually not that great. <laughs> right. It just it doesn't really make sense because it's like, what sane person would bring a deer into their actual living quarters? Just, you know, there's fleas and ticks and shit yeah. and everything. It's like, yeah, do that in your goddamn garage. Yeah. But, but once again, you said this is a shot that only we saw and you're only going to see it from hit that guy's window. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Like, what was that shot for? Who yeah, was it just, for? It was only for right, us. Right. And it, as a yeah, viewers. and they're not even like making a comment on how we're voyeurs of the guy being a voyeur or whatever, which might have been interesting. But that's right. what they were doing. So they they end up going through this whole series where his friend comes back into town and they enlist his friend, and the friend's like on board like immediately. The girl's pretty much on board immediately with thinking this guy's a killer. Well, I they like I have a note about that too. It's kind of similar to uh, Grace Kelly where all of a sudden she's just like into this stuff. Right? right. And then there's also a thing that happens, you know, in the middle of the movie there when he sort of like convinces her that he is cool or whatever. in that little monologue that we were talking about uh, mm -hmm. and where she like, oh, I guess she gets on board with this stuff earlier though. Okay. Yeah, she was totally helping. Sorry, beforehand. I got something yeah. else to say about this, but I thought I was doing a good segue and I wasn't. So scratch all that. <laughs> so, like he he enlists the friends the uh, the friend the girlfriend basically follows the guy around at a hardware store 
and then the fr- uh, the best friend breaks into the guy's car to figure out how to get into the garage so they can look around the guy's house. So they go on like a whole other level than Rear Window did, where they were actually breaking the law even more so. Than yeah, well, they doing B and E. I mean, I thought that was actually a nod to to Rear Window because um, he has the two women break into the guy's house, but they never do break into the house. Uh, well, so Stella, Stella does, right, but Grace Kelly does. No, so no, she, she climbs in through the window. Oh, that's right. She does briefly. Yeah, yeah. She goes in there really quick well, he, and gets the gets the wedding ring. And then he catches her in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's when they start screaming and they call the cops and everything mm-hmm. happens. That's right. Um, so, yeah, they do that. But this, they do it early. And then the, the friend plays a prank, pretends to be dead in the guy's closet. And then the movie, same thing. It just kind of ramps up. Like, you think everything's going to be fine. The cop... It, the cop that is like kind of being a dick to shy the whole movie because he is the cousin of the teacher um totally is on board with with the with the killer he's just like he believes the deer story he believes everything and he leaves and then david morris just kind of decides <coughs> at this point he's gonna it becomes full slasher film like he the mom is super into him the mom goes to apologize and just try to say hey don't press charges i don't want my son to go to jail like everybody is on the killer side and then he just decides to smack uh, Carrie Ann Moss into the to the wall and then decides to come over and start to beat the shit out of Shia LaBeouf. He's... Just magically, Ashley shows up out of nowhere, apropos of nothing. She's just there and jumps on the guy's back. And then he, you know, he goes into the house. The cop comes, Net gets killed, and then Shia LaBeouf just kills him with some lawn shears. And then the movie just ends. They're just, like, getting the ankle bracelet taken off, and he's just, like, they're all happy and great. And it's like, dude, you need some fucking therapy. <laughs> You already needed therapy because your dad, and now you actually killed a guy. Yeah, he's um he's gonna he's gonna need to talk to somebody. I actually uh, I kind of had the opposite thought. I thought compared to the way that Rear Window just like ramps up in the last like ten minutes and then immediately ends, I thought this was kind of uh not the extreme opposite, but it sort of did the opposite where there's they have to like tie up the love story and there's like a little. Um, you know, it ends on a comedy beat where the guy, the best friend is like watching them make out or whatever. Oh, and I think they do a little, they do a scene with uh, him getting the ankle bracelet off and the mom and the, um, the probation officer like joking around or whatever, not probation officer, but whatever. Um, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, I mean, it's more or less. It's Octavia Spencer, right? That wasn't Octavia Spencer. I don't even think it was Viola Davis either. I think you're wrong on both counts. Let's go to IMDb. It's definitely not Octavia Spencer. Viola Davis She's very Viola Davis-esque, but I don't think it is her. We're going to find out. I think you're going to beat me to it. No, yeah, my it's Viola Davis. Told you, motherfucker. Oh, it was. Okay, cool. Yeah, Viola Davis doesn't joke. She's fantastic. She's too good for this movie. <laughs> well, you know, it's nice to have her there. Yeah. But anyway, it felt like it had a bunch of endings, which feels like very apropos of, uh, of 90s teenager movies. But it was funny knowing that, it, you know, it's coming from Rear Window and Rear Window does the opposite thing where it just ends. It's like, all right, well, he was the killer. Yeah, I mean, See you later. Yeah. You're right. Well, this one, like, it, it just, it does so much. Like, it's like, the guy just decides to go full on, I'm going to kill everybody. Well, they're loose ends. Like, the end he's of, like. Ridiculous. I don't right. really have a problem but with the, that. But, like, he's got it clear. He framed, like, he was going to kill. So, my issue is, like, he just decides, oh, I need to go kill everybody now. So, then he decides just really quickly, oh, I'm going to frame Shia LaBeouf for all these murders. Like, I think I'm just, gonna, he's gonna kill his yeah, mom. Yeah, just for the, and he's gonna kill his yeah, best friend. Just those two, not the other ones, not the girls. Right, but still, it's like, dude, 
there's no way that doesn't put a target on your back. You're just going to leave anyway. Like he'd have to leave. So why not just fucking leave? Yeah. I had that thought too. Like I had that thought. Like that, that thought would make way more sense. In the house with him. I was like, the police are outside. It's the same cop. Uh, Sam Witwicky is running around in your basement. Like just leave, <laughs> you know, he yeah. ends up killing. He He's done it killing before. This cop. He does a Steven Seagal next neck snap and uh, kills officer Gutierrez. Um, but I was like, why, why is that even, and it, we don't see that he's particularly like driven by revenge or that he's insane or anything. He just likes killing people and he's really smart about it. So right. it's well, a new thing he, that he would, we know that he'd done this before, right? He did it in Texas before yeah. and killed a bunch of people and stuffed them in the walls and he left. It was like, and he had been there for yeah. years, presumably doing this for years. So it's like, you know, you're good enough to pick up and move yeah. on. Clearly he knows how to get a new identity too. Like, why put yourself in this position and risk? Here's it. Especially since you know you killed a cop. Like, they're going to eventually look in on that Speaking guy. Speaking of how many people he killed, there was, like, an ocean of bodies beneath his house. That I didn't understand because they talked about how he embalmed the other body. Was that supposed to be the embalming fluid that he just has him no, soaking it was just in? No, like in a, in, a, in a swamp. Or is it just bottom. a flooded yeah, basement? it was just a flooded basement. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. I, I mean, there were, so, there were so many bodies. How does it not smell? Like, they were... One of them was yeah, I, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, it makes no goddamn sense. Like, it, just the ending just kind of... And if it is a leaky... It's like, oh, we might as well wrap this up. If it is a up. leaky basement... You know, I was thinking, like, when you go in... This guy has, like, three secret compartments in his house or whatever. But you can see when uh, Sam Witwicky is running around in the basement, there's all the, like, <laughs> pipes and stuff. And the guy has, like, a shrine of all the evidence anyone would ever need. He's got the girl's, like, old driver's license and troll dolls or whatever. The keys. The keys. Right. He's got all this stuff, and it's just in the basement next to the pipes and shit. And I was like, what if... Somebody needs to fix a plumbing issue or something. Right. The other issue we I kind of had this movie, and we, we kind of glossed over it, was they, um, he, he's like a, a tinkerer. He's able, like, we don't see him doing any of this. It looks like he's researching online, but he builds, like, a wireless interface for a camera yeah. from 2007. Well, my, um, uh, this camera my point about this goes... is amazing at low light. <laughs> yeah. And it zooms in super smoothly. I sold cameras in, in 2008. There were not cameras that could do what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, they certainly weren't there in 1999. That a consumer would written. have. Right. Uh, so they do all this. But he does this stupid thing that's in like every like Law & Order and NCIS where he's got this super fuzzy low-light video from his friend running through mm -hmm. the house. And it's like a frame. A single frame of the video has a dead body looking out through a vent. <laughs> and it's like... He just, how did he, one? How did he see the single yeah. frame? And then he had to zoom in and enhance, zoom in and enhance, <laughs> zoom in and enhance. It's like if you had to zoom in and enhance that much to see what it was, how did the fuck did that catch your eye in yeah, the first place to even stop? And look it doesn't at even it. look like a skull or something. Like it's a woman's face in a bag, and it's all like uh, she's like beaten up or whatever. So it There's doesn't, no it doesn't, it doesn't that. look like a human face from at a glance. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it makes no sense. Even more to the tinkering point. Um, this kid has every single ho hobby, hobby, this kid has every single hobby in the world. Like you go into his, uh, into his bedroom and he's into like all these different bands. I'm assuming he's into system of a down too. I felt like that was supposed to be something that he would be listening to, but then he's also into that. Like, he was actually, he's, also, he's into like Led Zepp, the Stooges. He's wearing a Ramones shirt, like all this stuff that I don't associate with this kid. And then he's also, that was very much of that. He plays time, guitar. Though. How many people did you see wearing? I mean, yeah, it's, he, I think it's of that time in movies because they're just like, oh, he's into rock, just rock and roll. He plays guitar. He I fishes, know so apparently. many people in high school who wore Ramon shirts that did not listen to the Ramones. He's, it was just a cool he's shirt. He's fantastic at Tom had. Clancy's Ghost Recon. Um, he's got like a pretty <laughs> uh, uh, eclectic selection of iTunes songs. 
I don't know. It just, yeah. it just felt like oh, he's into like he's into whatever is cool. I, I think the the music, a lot of it was supposed to be his dad's mm. music. I think he mentioned really that some of it was his dad's. And a lot of that stuff was in his dad's study. Like a lot of the places where he was doing his peeping was in his sure. dad's study. So it just, yeah, it just yeah. felt like he, he uh, has every hobby in the world. No, I agree. Absolutely. He, he was just like every teenager mashed into one. Yeah. And he's also like an absolute slob. And I know that's kind of a point early in the film, but it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's over the top. It's like distracting. I agree. Well, a lot of the stuff he got, he, his mannerisms, he actually interviewed people who were under house mm. arrest as teenagers and picked up that thing. That's like, he actually asked to put that Twinkie scene in where he sure. built like the tower of Twinkies. But, but um, that shit is like this, this, somebody he interviewed. That shit is like that. the second day that he's on house arrest. And it's not even just like a tower of yeah. Twinkies. He's got like food laying all over the ground. Well, and we then, don't actually know at that point. And then that all, the friend was gone for a sure. month. That also makes me wonder about um, about Trinity's parenting skills. Like she really let him run wild. I feel right. like. Yeah, well, I think I get the feeling that he was a really good kid before this, and so she just doesn't really know how to handle yeah. a bad kid. Yeah, she needs a strong uh, father figure to come in there, like David Morse. <laughs> no, I think uh, I thought. Yeah, I I honestly thought they were gonna lean into that more. I did like that interaction in the kitchen. There's so many things that I thought they were gonna lean into more. Yeah, I like that scene too. So I think we need to wrap up. I think we're gonna have to burn through the news pretty quick because this episode's going a little bit long. Right. Um, oh, but I, I do, just kind of wanted to throw out a couple things. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, I want to throw out one thing too. Um, this is like neither here nor there, and this isn't really the podcast to talk about it. And I like that they uh, cast a person of color for his best friend, but I just wanted to say that that plays into this uh, stereotype of um, of Asian American men being like non-sexual and non non-threatening because his character is basically a recast of Stella the uh the smart old lady nurse in the original one. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't really see that. I think this is very much of the time you you often had an Asian best friend in teen movies and that sure. actor had played well, it in several but that, movies. That's exactly like, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway. But you know, I, would you rather it have just been another white no, guy no, no. or I don't, not? Because like Asian I don't have any, men are very underrepresented. I don't, I don't have any in, answers. In, in Hollywood, I don't have bro. any answers. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I would change anything. So what you're I'm saying just, is you don't want to see Asian men I'm in just movies? Pointed it out because I think it's important to talk about. But apparently you don't. No. No, I, no, I no, think the representation is very you know, important. But I'm glad. I think it's good that he had a role. I think you know you're a very white male Eurocentric. He talked about banging ladies in Hawaii, bro. You very. He was sexually viable. Hetero white male eurocentric viewpoint of the world and that's fine i i accept hey, you for you're the you one are. who's like i don't think he should be in this movie you're the one saying you didn't think he should you're be putting in the words movie in my mouth now and that it seemed weird that he was you're putting he, words in my mouth and which then is, you're the one who said he wasn't sexually viable you're the one who said interesting that. of uh you literally said he's Irish not sexually viable, man. but he talked about how he's gonna go to hawaii and bang ladies at the beginning of the, he said it in spanish listen you potato farmer and oh shit <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> Kill right. Whitey. Right, we should get into All the right. news. So we <laughs> fuck. So uh yeah, we're gonna talk about the news now. M- movie news. News. Hellraiser's getting rebooted again. Yeah. Um it was supposed to be rebooted a couple years ago. They made a movie for like super cheap just to keep the rights, but um it is getting remade. Uh who's the director? That's that? something you're interested in. Uh David Bruckner, who did the uh, the ritual. Yeah, that's right. Um, I have not seen the ritual, but a bunch of my friends are pretty excited for this remake because of Bruckner. So, he, yeah, I've never, I've never seen the original. He also did a VHS, which I know you've seen that one because yeah. you had that going at one of your shindigs. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's doing that. 
so that should be coming out in the next couple of years. Uh, so yeah, that's something. I don't know how wide of a release because they've actually rebooted that a couple of times. But you know, a lot of them were like straight to DVD. David S. Goyer is uh, producing and writing the script, so I think it'll um, it'll get a good amount of. Uh, Green Hornet uh, moved over to Universal, and they're looking at uh, do- redoing Green Hornet. I actually really like. We can rewatch the Seth Rogen one. Yeah, I actually liked the Seth Rogen one, so I'm kind of cool with that. This news I wanted to squeeze into the last episode, but we were running a little long. But uh, Chris Evans is in negotiations to be in the Little Shop of Horror remake as the uh, as the dentist. Who then that was Steve Martin in the in the last version. So that's that's coming out. Uh, he's in negotiations for that, and uh, Firestarter is getting rebooted again. The Drew Barrymore one. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What's so there, the, there have been a couple of remakes. Yeah, for what's that the other already. remake? There was one that was made on TV. It was like a TV movie. Uh, so they, yeah. But so they're doing that. I think there was another movie as well. I could be wrong about that one. But they, uh, they are redoing the the new one, and they're saying that it's going to be influenced by Stranger Things, which oh, is I don't need that. Everything yeah. is. But uh, yeah, that's, that's that's kind of all the news that I've got for in terms of remake movies. Um, Obviously, a lot of things are delayed. Marvel d- announced some more delays on movies. Um, as of right now, Warner Brothers is banking on movies being back in July, so they haven't pushed uh, Tenet yet, uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie. So I'm really hoping I'll get to see that in theaters this summer. In IMAX. Yep, definitely. That's that's the main reason I went and saw Birds of Prey in IMAX, was because they showed the first uh, 10 minutes of Tenet. Do you Tenet want to take an office poll of uh, when we think we'll be able to go back to theaters? I think July. I think it'll be July. I'm going to say August 1st. Actually, I don't, even believe, I don't even believe I, that. I think mid-August at the absolute well, earliest. So Texas is opening their theaters this Friday. Yeah, so I guess we both, we both lose, I think, right? I think that's a terrible idea. Century, well, that's that's one city. I'm, I'm talking about city. like wide openings. I, I, that's one, <laughs> or sorry, one state. Um, city of Texas. I'm talking about like wide openings. So I'm yeah, thinking, right. so wide I'm thinking late the, July. I don't think there's going to be a wide opening yeah. until August. I think it'll be July. Right. I think Warner Brothers is really going to push for Tenet. Cool. Well, uh, drinks at Bordner's for the winner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should start wrapping this up. Uh, Alex, please tell us where our listeners can uh, follow you on the social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram at dyslexic, D-Y-S, Alex, I-C. And I have uh, some new colorways of my world famous social distance social club shirt up on there. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter. Katrina and I just bought some. Yeah, yesterday. I have yours ready to mail out. Thank you for that. Oh, sweet. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Palishi, my last name, P-U-L-I-S-C-I. Yep, check out his stuff. He's got some good pins. He's also got a, this is some fucked up, repugnant shit shirts, uh, which are pretty cool. Yeah, running low on those. So support him. He does a lot of cool things. Um, support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash mdxpods if you want to chip in a buck and help the show. That'd be great. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at mdxpods. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.